From Gimlet, this is Reply All. I'm PJ Vote. And I'm Alex Goldman. And Fia Bennon is here. Hey, guys. Hi, Fia. How are you guys? Doing great. What have you got? Um, As you might recall, a couple weeks ago, we put a call out, or you, PJ, put a call out to our listeners. Yeah. So we'd been talking in the office about the things that existed on the internet that we found embarrassing, like about ourselves personally, that if we could just sort of like take an eraser, we would erase. Mm -hmm. And we said that we wanted our listeners to tell us about the things that were like that for them. We also made it clear we did not have such an eraser. Like we couldn't get rid of it. We just wanted stories of embarrassment and humiliation online. Right. And so listeners wrote in. We actually got over 500 responses. Wow. it's a lot of shame. Yes. Um, I talked to so many of our lovely, very embarrassed listeners. And um, we got responses from people of just like their ghosts, the like spooky thing that follows them around the world. Did it make you feel like, you know how like when someone tells you something that's humiliating to them, either you're like, oh, that's like no big deal at all. Like you mm-hmm. swapped pencils by accident. It's okay. Mm-hmm. Or you're like, oh my God, the amount of shame a person can have. I would never want that to happen to me. Like how much was one versus the other? It's it's like you just saw all the colors of shame possible in humanity. It was just everything. Like lots of people writing in about terrible projects they had to do in school. In calculus class with my T84, the teach kept talking, I was getting real bored. Chilling out, maxing, relaxing, all cool, and everyone was learning derivative rules when a couple of functions that were up to We got people's cheesy high school short films. What's your real name? Uh, the one that's on your birth certificate. I, I won't call you by that one. I can't remember now. I've forgotten it. Probably around the same time I lost mother. And then there were people who had posted embarrassing videos to YouTube for like contest submissions. Like, this guy was competing with other Pokemon fans for a PT Cruiser that was decked out to look like a Pokemon character? No. (laughs) It was me, a bunch of eight-year-olds, and (laughs) one guy my age in New York. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. So, guys, Mm -hmm. today... What I wanted to do is I have picked my five favorite stories of people's things that they want taken down from the internet that just will not come down. Mm -hmm. 
And I want to tell you about those five. And I want to start with this story that's an example of a problem that like a ton of our listeners had, which is usernames. Right. Like old embarrassing ones. Just like usernames that you were young and you picked something really awful. Mm-hmm. Oh, no. Ooh, do you have one of these? No. Okay. You don't? Uh, No, not anymore. Um, I, There was a book. Not anymore. If you were young and picked something awful, there's no not anymore about it. Well, I mean, uh, I mean, it's not on the internet anymore, so it's not like. What was your, what was it? Um, I had a, an account on a local bulletin board where my username was just STD. <laughs> For sexually transmitted sexually disease? Sexually transmitted disease. Okay. <laughs> not great. How old were you? 14, maybe? 14, what did you, why, what did you want to tell the world? Uh, so initially my first screen name was SDD, which was, there was a local band that I really liked called the short dead dudes. Uh huh. And then I wanted to rebrand <laughs> and I was like, what's following what <laughs> catastrophe? <laughs> Nothing really. <laughs> I just decided I wanted it a, a fresh new, luck, a new, a new username. And I was like, what's something that like is close enough that it, people will still know that it's me, but still mean something. And I was like, oh, sexually transmitted disease. That was my username for like four years. <laughs> yeah, 14 was... to 18, you were STD. Yeah. And then at 18, what happened? Uh, That's a good question. I know that one came after that, but I don't remember what it was. Oh, I, my, my username after that was, what the... <laughs> That actually feels a very, like an accurate username for you. <laughs> Were you like flirting with people online? Oh, yeah. Okay. With STD. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Okay. So my first story for you guys is about a woman named Aliza. Mm -hmm. And Aliza's problem is that when you Googled her name, what would show up in the image search results was her old MySpace profile picture. And at the bottom of the picture was her old MySpace username. Mm -hmm. And what you have to know is that Eliza had picked her username when she was 13 years old. She'd just come back from Jewish summer camp. And the username she picked was HornyJew666. <laughs> <laughs> That's so bad. It comes back around and becomes very good. <laughs> like if you picked that right now as like your Instagram handle, it would be hilarious. <laughs> It's just that she did it with a less developed sense of irony. She did it with no irony because she had no idea what any part of it meant except for Jew. Wait, she didn't know what horny or 666 meant? No. What she did she like, think it meant? It was just a hodgepodge of words that she'd heard older kids say. <laughs> That's so messed up. I mean, I don't actually think there's anything wrong with being horny. Right. Or, or Jewish. being Jewish. Or loving the number 666. But then, like, taken together... Yeah. And so it, it, it was haunting her because, like, she was applying for a bunch of jobs and she was like, I'm really qualified. Why am I not hearing anything back? You know, every single person I meet, I Google, right? That's what people do. Yeah. That's not me being weird. No. Okay. I just would, like, always wonder, like, why didn't I get that call back? Is that because they Googled me and they found my screen name is HornyJuice666? And, like, what kind of employee is that? So... This problem just, like, would not go away. And year after year, it was just the number one search result for her name. Every year, I would spend probably an hour, three, trying to get it taken down. And eventually, a few years ago, I figured out that I was having trouble because 
there was some parental control and my MySpace was connected to my parents' email address that they also no longer had access to. And Google wouldn't take it down because it didn't violate their community standards. Elisa felt just completely screwed. But then this wonderful thing happened, and she's the only person I talked to who had this kind of luck, but her whole problem, it just disappeared. MySpace has lost all users' media that was uploaded during the first 12 years of MySpace's existence, like those embarrassing bathroom mirror pictures, has been erased as a result of what the company calls a service mitigation project. Now, maybe the You guys already know this, but back in March, MySpace lost a ton of user data, and when they announced that, the first thing Elisa did was run to her computer, search her name, check the image search results, and like scream with joy because the image was gone. Horny wow. juice six 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 R I P is no more. That's yeah, so good. That is so, really funny. That's a very happy fact for Elisa. Okay, so number two on the list is from a listener named Brian. And Brian has this very strange, like, mysterious problem. I've had this weird, I don't know if I want to call it a curse. Okay. Or a special power or something (laughs) like that. But it's like this thing where it seems like my face ends up a lot of random places on the internet. I don't put it out with that intention. And then somehow that happens. Brian, he's kind of a Forrest Gump character. Uh Uh-huh. Like he just shows up everywhere? In every picture. Basically his face, whenever it's put on the internet, it just like spreads like wildfire. Okay. So the first time Brian's curse struck was 12 years ago. And what happened was he took this picture of himself where he's kind of making like a confused like uh, face. Uh Uh-huh. Let me show you guys. That's a good confused guy. Yeah, he's not how I pictured him. He looks like a... I pictured a like a like a shot to the waist with him shrugging or like like being more confused in like a more obvious way, but it's actually just his face and he's doing a he's expressing a lot. Frowny think, and wrinkly. I think he kind of smells something bad. Yeah, it's a little bit more like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then somehow over time it was seen by people to the point where when you searched on Google Images for confused guy, my face showed up on the first row. What? Uh, yeah, it was really... You became just like generic I became confused, confused guy. guy. Yeah, exactly. I was stock confused guy. And this is just a hint of what's coming for Brian. Okay. So I have two other stories for you guys about times when this curse, the Brian's curse, just went nuts. Um, the first one was in 2010, Brian moves to New York, and he's a big fan of the MoMA. He goes there a bunch. He, uh, right when he moves to New York, the Marina Abramovich exhibit is going on. Where Where it was like you sat in a chair and just stared at Marina Abramovich in a museum for a long time? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. And I was always like, should I go and sit? And I was like, nah, I'm not going to do it. Mm -hmm. And eventually got closer to the end of her show, and I was like, shit, I need to do this. I really want to try it. So my biggest my biggest fear of going and sitting with her was that occasionally on 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 rare occasion she would start crying. Like I noticed that from seeing her so many times from going in there so many times that she would start crying and I was really concerned because I wasn't like a crier. 
I was worried that I would sit with her, stare at her, she might start crying, and then I would just be this stone-faced asshole looking at her and, like, just being awkward. Uh-huh. So I sat down, and it's insane. It's Saturday at the MoMA. It's her closing weekend. There are a shit ton of people there. There's so many people at the MoMA. And the first thing I'm like, oh, my God, I'm going to faint. Like, this is so crazy. I can't believe I'm doing this. This is like I'm really? like, having almost like a little panic attack. But then I relax and calm down. And then it's like, this is actually really nice. It's like this moment. I'm like, we're like making eye contact, obviously, and have this like nice connection. She's really nice. And then like a little tear started welling up in one of her eyes. Oh, no. And then another tear welled up in her other eye. And then one of the tears fell down her face. And I'm like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And that's what I'm thinking on the inside. And then she takes her hand and puts it up to her chest, like just this warm thing. And so I mimic that. I'm like, okay, I'm doing the same thing. And something about the act of doing that triggered something in me, like, I don't know, some emotional thing. And I started crying. And... We're just sitting there crying at each other. So you're not the asshole. <laughs> so I'm not the asshole anymore. <laughs> and uh, and we're just like crying at each other. And uh, and she's like on the verge of bawling. And then I end up putting my head down, which is the way you say that you're done. And she put her head down and I got up. But the internet part comes into play because <laughs> there was a photographer there the entire time and a film crew Oh, my God. So somebody takes a picture of Brian's, like, red-eyed, like, weepy face. And from there, that picture ends up on the MoMA website. And then it just, like, fully takes off. It's, like, it's on some, like, blog. It gets a full page in a book about the thing. And then, like, also that film crew, they made a documentary. And let me just show you where that footage ended up. It was a woman named Marina Abramovich. Um, Marina Abramovich on The View? The question on The View was, what is art? She just sat for hours and looked at you and talked the way I'm looking at you and just stared at you. Oh, no. They're going to him. Is she on medication? (laughs) (laughs) Believe me, this is not easy. He's just crying and projected on a giant screen behind all the ladies of The View. uh, Seven or eight hours at a time. I mean, I don't cry very often. That was my whole fear going into it. And then that emotion that's so rare for me is now being seen in this giant screen. It's like, I am now the poster boy of crying. So that was 2010. But in 2014, Brian's curse shows up again. And this time, it's actually very, very scary to him. And this is the thing that Brian wants off the internet. Okay. So five years ago, Brian gets this text. And the text is like, is this Brian Moore? And he was like, yes. And they were like, oh, do you still date Rachel Boothy? And he was like, what? And they were like, is your birthday blah, 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 blah? And he was like, what the fuck is going on? Did he date Rachel Boothy? He did date Rachel Boothy. Is his birthday blah, 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 blah? Uh-huh. Okay. And they kept on asking more questions about me as a person. And like, I was like, how do you know all this information? Who are you? That's so creepy. And they've, it was creepy. And they eventually revealed that, oh, I saw your profile on Time magazine or something like that. And I was like, wait, what? So Brian's like, why am I in Time magazine? 
So he goes online and he starts searching. And what he discovers is that his old Facebook profile is on all these news sites. Okay. Brian had somehow become like the poster child for Facebook. So what he began to piece together was that it was Facebook's 10-year anniversary. And for their 10-year anniversary, they put together some press materials. And they included in them a picture of what an early profile looked like. And out of all the profiles they could pick, they chose Brian's. And and the kicker is it's complete with all my actual personal information, not just my photo, my birth date, <laughs> no. my phone number. That's still the one I use today. <gasps> oh. Why wouldn't they redact that? That's so irresponsible. I know. They didn't redact anything. My personal information's on there. I mean, my phone number, I've held on to it for so long. And here's the thing is... Uh, my phone number is my name. It's seven zero Brian. Was that on purpose? It was. I got it in like seventh grade. So you want to keep that? Yeah, it's like there's one thing about it being my face or whatever. Like that's kind of funny, but personal information like that—that's going too far. He wrote Facebook, and they were like, "We're so sorry." We will not send your personal information out anymore, but there's no way we can actually fix what's already out there. The horse had left the barn? Yeah, because like Facebook, one of the biggest websites on the planet, had taken Brian's info and made it available to all of these other outlets. And they were like, here, publish this on your site. Like, if you do a reverse image search on this picture and just see everywhere it's hosted on the internet now, let me just show you. Like oh wow it's, it's everywhere. everywhere. I mean it's it's, it's overwhelming. I mean it's, it's it's I'm looking at it right now. I'm just scrolling through. I'm just looking at the URLs yeah. that are underneath each one of these things. I mean NPR.org, Gawker.com, uh, LinkedIn, Twitter, a bunch of ones I don't know. WTFintheworld.com, which is feels more related to how I feel. <laughs> Techpeel.com. <laughs> PCMag.com, I know that one. Klubik, I don't even know how to pronounce some of these things. Geekissimo, I think that's um, <laughs> Italian for geek. And then <laughs> betanerd.wordpress.com. Sorry, I'm still reading You're these still things. You're still scrolling. Yeah, exactly, I'm still scrolling. You'll just leave me here scrolling forever, realizing just how far this has reached. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Okay, next up, number three, is from a woman named Shibangi. Mm -hmm. She lives in Helsinki. And the thing about Shibangi's story is she's the supreme example of someone getting famous for, like, the exact opposite thing from what they want to be famous for. So in, like, I think it was 2005, Shibangi was 20, living in Mumbai, which is where she grew up. And she was really into the metal scene. She was really hardworking, and she was trying to get into the film industry. I'm just wondering where these facts are going. <laughs> They're going somewhere. Yeah, just like vibe, metal scene, film industry. Mm -hmm. Uh huh. So she gets a job assisting the cinematographers on a music video. Okay. The music video for an Indian idol who had just come out, and he had just won, and he was doing one of his first few music videos that's fun Ugh. 
<laughs> so his yeah maybe good for him i suppose <laughs> did you like his music oh gosh not at all i mean um, the kind of music that i would never understand on why or how it made it anywhere and the day the shoot's supposed to start she's like starting her job and the assistant director comes up to her and he's like can you ride a scooter and she's like yeah like a kick scooter or like a moped? No, like a moped. And she's like, uh-huh, wh- why? And he's like, okay, so the woman we cast as the best friend of the love interest is a no-show. And we just had a scene where she was supposed to ride the love interest in on a bike. Can you just do this one scene? And everything about this just made Shibangi want to scream. I would never want to be on camera and also for a music video, which I have completely no faith in, you know, so to say. Right. You didn't want to be like that closely associated (laughs) with this musician. Oh, gosh, no. Far from it. So I'm saying, no, I I don't want to do this. But they said, well, you know what? You have a helmet on and the helmet, you know, your face is not really going to be seen. And I'm like, all right, you know, I I kind of like gauged the situation. I'm like, all right, these guys need help. I can Mm -hmm. do this. It's just writing. It's fine. So she does the scene very begrudgingly. And as soon as that scene's done, the assistant director is like, okay, so we've established you as a character, character in the video. Now. That's so messed up. Let me show you the video. Here we go. Oh, this is very cheesy. It's just like slow motion leaves blowing and a silhouetted dude on a motorcycle and the worst sunglasses in the world. Yeah, that's the singer. I don't know. This song's kind of a bob. <laughs> Shivangi does not agree. So where's she? He's in front of a helicopter. Okay. So, in this scene, what's going to happen is Shibangi is riding the moped with the love interest behind her, and she's going to pull up next to the singer, and the love interest makes these, like, dumb googly eyes at him. But just watch Shibangi here. This is her? That's Shibangi. (laughs) She looks furious. It's like a full-face frown. And let me show you the concert scene. Um... It's where the guy is performing on stage and she's supposed to be like this huge fan in the audience. I'm the audience right next to the love interest. Oh, there you are. You're in pink. He's being carried on a stage. Oh, and there you're waving to the music. Yeah. (laughs) And I hate it because now I have to dance, right? So the step that everyone's doing, I'm meant to do as well. She has to pretend to be very excited. That's her very excited. She has like a a disinterested smirk. (laughs) It's also just funny. There's like so many people who want to be in a music video. I know. Do you feel like you've seen enough? Yes. I hate this video. Yeah. Um, So it comes out and it just blows up. The video was getting bombarded in the airways. And people just started recognizing Shibangi like anywhere she went. So I would walk and people would sing the song, like really, you know, like boys trying to tease. They're like, oh yeah, this girl. And as that happens, Shibangi's just getting more and more upset because for her, that video, it's a recording of the moment in her life where she feels like the most taken advantage of. So you were like 20. I mean, I think just like at 20, it's really hard to say no. 
Like you're trying to get into a field, you're trying to please people. I mean, to me, I think particularly as a 20-year-old woman, that's really hard to say no. I was just kind of figuring my way around this massive operation of this Bollywood industry. And I didn't know where my, what my limits were. Right. I didn't know how to say no. But the good thing is I smartened up so fast. I, I learned from that one event and I never, ever made the mistake again. I think there were like a couple more opportunities where people would ask like, oh, we just wanted you to stand there. I'm like, no, go away, step back, never ask me again. So I toughened, yeah, I toughened up. Okay, next up, a bunch of people wrote into us about newspaper articles that were like either just like super, super cringy or just like awful articles that had been written about them in local papers. And so I want to tell you about one of them. It's about this guy named Josh. And Josh had the worst luck of anyone that we heard from. Uh huh. He's a teacher now, but in his 20s, he was pursuing stand up comedy. Mm-hmm. And, um, oh man. There was a comedy festival happening in his hometown, and Josh was actually going to host a portion of it. So I was um, I was just promoting the the competition uh, aspect of the comedy festival, and they asked me to do a newspaper interview for my local paper, which I was pretty excited because you know my grandparents still read the paper. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did I did the interview, um, and uh, that year the branding of the comedy festival was they had people wearing clown noses. So they said, oh, wouldn't it be funny for the picture in the newspaper if you were a clown nose? Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I don't necessarily agree that, that stand-up comedy should be compared to being a clown. But I was like, okay, sure. So I put on the clown nose and uh, feeling a little awkward. I didn't know what to do with my hands. So I just had kind of like this shrugging uh-huh. posture. Sure. And they took, yeah, and they took a picture and they thought, you know what, that's a great picture. We're going to put that on the front page of the newspaper. So what you're going to see is a picture of Josh with his clown nose on. It's huge. Takes up like the whole front of the paper. You're not going to see the headline for Josh's story because it's actually below the fold. Instead, you'll see the headline for a completely different article right next to Josh. Here it is. Oh, no. (laughs) Directly to the right of him, it says man receives 90 days for child porn. And then he's just in like a dimly lit room being like, hey, what are you going to do about it? That's rough. That is so brutal. And how on the internet is it? It was on Tosh.0. It was on. It like went viral. (laughs) Alex's head is in his hands. Oh, no. (laughs) Yeah, it was like, it was everywhere. It's really, it wouldn't be good if it was a straight picture of him, but the clown nose and the odd shucks is really bad. That's the best. It gets better. <laughs> Do you feel like the newspaper maybe had a sense of what they were doing? Okay, so there is another facet to the story that I didn't mention that you, you might find a little suspicious. Okay. Um, so I know the person who does the layout for that newspaper. Uh-huh. Hey, and I broke up with a good friend of his after a one-year relationship the night before the picture was taken. <laughs> oh, my God. But I assure you, 
I am convinced it was an unfortunate accident because I have reason to believe that he got in a little bit of guff from his editor for that. Just because he got guff doesn't mean it was an accident. Listen, all right, it's a small town. Uh-huh. And, you know, everybody knows everybody. And just because uh, I broke up with a friend the night before mm-hmm. doesn't mean necessarily that it was on purpose. So let's just assume it was an accident. Oh, that is definitely related. Yeah. God, I can't believe he doesn't understand how bad he got set up. Agreed. Um, We actually got in touch with the guy who was friends with Josh's ex. And he says he was part of a team putting together the layout. And he maintains it was totally innocent. Like, they were just under too much pressure and moving too quickly. I still find it pretty weird. So Josh is resigned to the fact that this picture of him in the paper, like that, that's staying there. But I got a little distracted with this idea that another listener told me about that is something that I think could help actually like a lot of the other people who have articles from local papers that they want to get taken off the internet. His name is Art. Mm -hmm. And Art had this idea that he just wanted to like do an experiment. There was this article in a local newspaper about a high school tennis match she'd played in. So how did the game go? Uh, it went it went quickly. There were, um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we lost terribly, my partner and I. You were playing doubles? Yeah. I mean, not terribly, but we lost. So Art was like, I wonder if there's a way I could get this off the internet. Do you guys have a way you'd do it? Huh. It's like a a news story about a local tennis game? Yeah. I don't know that I could figure that out. So here's what he did. He was like, I just don't want people Googling my name to find this thing. So his first thought was, what if I just contact the newspaper and say they've misspelled my name? I figured if I could just get the spelling of my name changed, then eventually when Google crawls the site again, they'll re-index it with my new spelling. And then later on, when somebody is actually Googling my real name, that article won't be a hit anymore. Ooh. Smart. And then he was like, but it wouldn't make sense that I'm Googling the misspelling of my name to find the article. Yeah. So he was he, what he, he was like, what if my doubles partner had found this article? Oh, my God. Forwarded it to me. And I then wrote and was like, hey, my partner sent me this article you misspelled my name could you just correct that so he was like hey you spelled my name wrong here and they wrote back within a day and they were like thank you so much for letting us know we identified 200 other places in the piece on our website that had your name misspelled we've corrected all three of them (laughs) that's a really good plan though yeah well so that's what he did Smart. What As a journalist, I really can't stand behind this yeah. because he's introducing <laughs> he's introducing falsity into the factual record. So, Art, get it together, bud. He's aware of the ethical question of <laughs> how this is ethically questionable, but I think it's quite clever. I appreciate Corinne's. Me too. This brings us to my final story about something that is on the internet that should be taken down. So a category of thing that we heard about a lot is old writing, like opinions and 
ideas that people had many years ago that they would like to wipe out of existence. And this story is like the most brutal example of that. So Megan Connolly is Mormon. Mm -hmm. And what's relevant about that is she says, growing up, one of the things you hear a lot is sex is bad. In Mormonism, chastity... So not having sex before marriage, mm -hmm. you start learning about that very, very early on. And so what happens is that, um, especially Mormon women, they'll wait and they'll get married. And suddenly they literally go overnight from sex is bad to like sex is good. Mm. But that's um, that's a real mind fuck. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. Because, yeah, be, I mean, how do you how do you paradigm shift that quickly, right? I mean, the only penis I'd ever seen before I got married was like in Schindler's List. I mean, like you, and that's <laughs> not great. I haven't seen Schindler's List, so I don't know the that's penis horrible. in that They're movie. Like in a but... concentration camp. I mean, it's like a really horrible introduction to the male anatomy oh, and God. so it was devastating anyways <laughs> and so you go from that to um to your wedding night so megan's just trying to like work through all of that and like her big discovery was women can really like sex and that felt like very exciting to her and then she and her husband they have kids and after they have kids she realizes they're not connecting at all They've stopped, like, holding hands. They're just not finding time for them. And she decides to do this thing that felt, like, exciting and sort of provocative, which was to have sex with her husband every day for a month. Okay. And she and her husband feel reconnected. They're enjoying each other's company. And at the time, she had a blog. And so she's like, okay, this is going to be a post. So she writes up a blog post, and Huffington Post writes her and is like, hi, we'd like to feature you on our website. And and it felt like a chance. I've uh, I've wanted to be a writer since I was in the second grade. And, um, and I dropped out of college because I got married, and I thought, well, what's the point of a degree? You're going to be a mom, um, which is so crazy because I did not marry a man who thought that he was so upset when I dropped out. Huh. And so I, I, I felt great regret over that. You know, it had been, I was 27, 27, 28. And I felt like I had missed the opportunity to become what I'd always wanted to become. And then this editor reaches out and I'm like, oh my gosh, like I could be published online. And then the post goes live and she immediately, like every human on the planet hates her. Why? Well, what Megan realizes now is that she had hit on something that was just, like, universally offensive to everyone. So it was five reasons. Oh, my gosh, Fia. It was five <laughs> reasons you should have sex with your husband every night. <laughs> okay. I know. <laughs> I'm so sorry. What were the five reasons? Okay, so the first one is I talk about how motherhood is one of the ultimate expressions of womanhood. And I think now I just say, like, motherhood is, like, one of the ultimate expressions of love. Number two is the one that she feels really bad about. Oh, my gosh. Okay. So in number two, I start it with, 
Oh my gosh. If you want your husband to act like a man, you need to treat him like a man. Hold the eye rolls. I'm not pushing for a return to the 1950s. But like, wasn't I? (laughs) Isn't that exactly what that is? And so then I say, women need any number of criteria met to feel loved. I think that's true. Mm -hmm. But then I say, men are far simpler. They need to be fed. They need to be appreciated. And they need to have sex. Um... Okay, well, that's not accurate, right? No. Well, I mean, like, those three things might be part of a hundred for any given person. But, um, sure. You know, I was raised, um, like, Dr. Laura was always on the radio growing up. You uh-huh. know, I mean, and I can see echoes of that here. Letters just start streaming into Megan, and people are mad on all sides. There are women who are like, are you trying to just throw away everything we've worked for. And then there are misogynists, actually, who are, like, also really pissed and who start sending her death threats. Oh. And the ones that, like, issued death threats were mad about me. They felt I had centered female sexuality too much. They said I didn't know my place and that I was leading women astray and I was going to go straight to hell and that they were going to find me and kill me and that my husband would be grateful because he'd be able to get a wife that knew her place. Wow. She could still see the comments on Huffington Post and the comments included the um, location of the commenter. And so I started like obsessively staying up at night Mm -hmm. and looking, trying to figure out where the comments were coming from and whether they were close to me or not. I'm so sorry. Thank you. Well, I don't know. I still feel like I brought it on myself, um, which is the wrong way to feel, probably. But I still feel like, well... I don't um, think you brought death threats on yourself. Like, I don't think anything about your blog said, like, make me feel unsafe. <laughs> make like, me that's feel not... like I'm going to leave my children. Yes. No, I think that that's right. But I think um, I think I did not understand. I, I know I did not understand the internet. But um, I felt like... I felt like I was at the epicenter of it. And it was like a few years later that it started keeping her up at night. Like just It went waking. from like the initial embarrassment to like, yes. I don't like the ideas I put in the world. Exactly. Like a few years later, she was like, this is harmful material to be out there. I really want it taken down. But at this point, like it's translated into a bunch of different languages. She's reached out to Huffington Post and they just don't respond. So the article's just stuck. I just I just hate that there are 18-year-old Mormon girls coming across this article and that they see point two, you know, where I say, smile at your husband when he comes in the door from work. Like, fuck that. <laughs> I mean, if you feel like smiling, smile. But um, that is not, that's not partnership. Like, and that's not a requirement. And and if it feels like a requirement, then that means that there's something to work on. And it's not your smile. One piece of good news. Michelle, our fact checker, heard from HuffPost, and they said... If Megan writes them, they will take down her old blog post. I wish I could give that kind of news to everybody else I talked to and everybody who wrote in. I'm sorry I can't. Thank you so much for sharing your story. After the break, scouring the internet 
for lost memories. This episode is brought to you by Dr. Squatch. When your personal care routine needs a refresh, Dr. Squatch is here to help. They have high-performing natural products with no harmful ingredients that'll have you looking and smelling your best. Like the Bay Rum Soap and Deodorant. It smells delightfully spicy. And right now, they have an amazing offer for new customers. Get 20% off your first purchase of any amount or a subscription order by going to drsquatch.com Spotify or use the code Spotify at checkout. This summer, click into cordless power with Memorial Day savings at the Home Depot. Tackle more than half an acre of grass with the convenience and gas-like power of the Ryobi 40-volt battery-powered mower. And keep your flower beds fresh with the 40-volt cordless string trimmer. Then clear debris with the 40-volt jet fan leaf blower. Click into Memorial Day savings happening now at your cordless power source, the Home Depot. How doers get more done. This episode is brought to you by Accenture. A better you starts with better hydration. Accenture is on a mission to inspire people to do what matters most. Their proprietary ionization process transforms water from any source into ionized alkaline water, providing water that's 99.9% pure with a pH of 9.5 or higher. Accenture overachieving H2O, the number one ionized alkaline water. Shop now. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. Welcome back to the show. Hey, Fia. Hey, guys. So after I talked to all those people who immensely regretted this thing of theirs that was on the internet, Mm -hmm. I talked to this other guy who has a very different relationship with these types of things. To him, all of the embarrassing moments that you have, those are like precious gems that you should never get rid of. So his name is Dan Donahue, and he was in our end-of-year extravaganza from 2018, in the unobtainium section. Right. We'd ask people who were feeling isolated or just far away. Like, I think the thing we might have said is like the feeling of being on the moon, like mm-hmm. in the earth. We asked people, whoever felt that way, we wanted to hear from them where they were. Right. And Dan sent us a message three weeks after his son, Kolya, had died of a brain aneurysm. That place you were talking about, I'm calling from it now. My son was downstairs playing Fortnite, probably, and he came upstairs, and it was a Saturday morning, and he said, I'm feeling a bit dizzy. And we looked into his eyes, and his eyes were going all over the place. And he said he started to feel numb, and he was losing his balance. And he sat on the couch, and I held him while my wife called the ambulance. So a couple weeks ago, Dan got back in touch. Hello. Hey, Dan. Hey, how you going? I'm good. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. So 
What Dan told me was that for the last seven months, he's been performing this strange kind of detective work. And it all started because Dan was having these moments like multiple times a day where he would picture Kolya, like blonde hair, handsome face with still a little bit of middle school chub. And Dan imagines him playing the guitar, maybe sitting on the couch. And he starts to feel so sad that he has like a mini panic attack. But it's sort of like I like it on a level. Hmm. It's like sometimes I'll chase songs or things that remind me of Kolya or that are connected to us that that I know will make me cry because that feels good. I know that sounds strange, but I want to be in that place. Dan said he wanted to be in that place and he wanted to stay there because he didn't want to wake up every morning just feeling mad at the world because his son had died. Instead, he wanted to picture Kolya and just feel sad. And so what Dan decides to do is to try to find every trace of Kolya on the internet. When a person dies, the thing that's become really clear for me is that there are no more memories of that person. That's it. There's this line. But there's all these other things that can elicit things that you can find. It probably started with the social media accounts. He was only 15, so he was only just on that precipice of starting his whole social media journey. And there's just so little, you know? There's just such, there's just not much of it. What Dan does, he starts by just Googling his son's name and like all the different iterations of his son's name. And different accounts start popping up. Oh, he's got an Instagram account. Of course, I don't know the password to that. Oh, but I might know the password to something else. Oh, I set up his email for him when he was younger. Maybe I'll be able to use that. Uh Like I've scraped everything and every technique I know to find, you know, just even just little things and questions like, why did you sign up for LinkedIn? You know, (laughs) why why have you got a LinkedIn account? Like what what possessed you to do that? You know, so weird. I know. I know. I've worked out that a good mate of his also had one. So it's almost like they must have set them up at the same time. I can't think why, whether it was a school project or something or. It could have been a jokey way for them to connect because they were in class and the teachers, they'd blocked out the usual way of communicating and Mm. so they decided, well, let's set up LinkedIn. That's not blocked by the school service yet. Oh, that would be pretty (laughs) clever. But then other other things that, you know, oh, there you are. I can can work out why he signed up for Facebook. Mm -hmm. It was so he could ask a guy a series of questions about Kolya loved sneaker. He was a shoe guy, you know. It was so he could ask a guy some questions about some shoes that he was selling. And then I was like, oh, he's on Snapchat. Oh, no. Um, there was part of me going, oh, gee, that would be interesting. I would even just like to go in there and have a look and understand it. And then I was like, well, but it's a conversational space and it's a space that's very much not of me and I don't know what he has shared and, and what, how that works um, and I don't know that I want to see that. I was like, um, oh, I'll, I'll just delete it. That's gone. We'll get rid of it. I was able to connect with his friends. Mm -hmm. They all grabbed stuff off their phones and different things and then just shot them through to me. You know, these little snapshots of, um, you know, Kolya in a school classroom, 
You know, it's almost like there's Kolya. It's a memory that I can have from May 2019. Yeah, it's really, I hadn't thought about the fact that it's allowing you to create new memories of Kolya. And so it's sort of like he's in the present a little bit. Yeah, exactly. There's not a time where as a parent you really often see your children in the school classroom. Mm -hmm. But it's obviously like the teacher's in the class, but they're supposed to be doing stuff. But, you know... Just, and it's just like it's a five-second grab of someone going, Koya, and him turning around and going, and I'm not going to use her real name, but he turns around and he's like, hey, Katie Sanders, and that's it. That's all it is. But in that five seconds, you get all this, I get all this stuff, or I invest all of this idea. I invest so, like, you know, I, I probably make up stories in my head about that five seconds and elaborate that into a school day. Um, but it's just that the smile on his face, the tone of voice that he uses, the fact that there's friends and they're mucking around in class and filming each other. Um, he seems really happy. He seems a bit cheeky. <laughs> um, you know, the kid in class who's going to be a bit of a joker, all that stuff. So, in, so initially it was just, oh, that's that's what it was like to be 15-year-old Kolya. Hmm. Was it like you were putting on his shoes? Is that sort of <laughs> the feeling of it? Yeah. Do you, know, do you want to know a thing too? Mm-hmm. So I told you how he was right into shoes. Oh, right. I don't fully understand that, but he's got these Sean Witherspoon Nike shoes or something and he's got these Adidas shoes. And the weird thing is like our feet are the same size. Uh-huh. And so we were on a run once, and he also has orthotics and stuff, and we were on a run once, and he was like, oh, these shoes are no good. And so we actually swapped running shoes in the middle of a run, and I just said, well, you keep those ones and I'll keep your ones. Mm-hmm. But I've got a couple of his pairs of shoes now that when I want to fear, when I'm feeling nervous or like his brother Felix and I went and saw um, Avengers Endgame because one of the last movies we all saw together was... Infinity War, which mm-hmm. blew Collier's mind, and mm. so that was a big thing. So I wore I wore Collier's shoes when we went and saw that. Did so, it help? Yeah, it really it does. It just it just feels nice. It feels comforting. It's it's like I don't know when you're cold and you wrap a warm blanket around you. Yeah. And then, of course, his laptop. I had to look for those laptops to find them, and I knew where one was, but his other laptop. I found underneath his bed, um, which is obviously because he was contravening the rules we have around let's not have screens in our bedroom at night. <laughs> <laughs> Going on his computer, did a part of your brain think like, I'm on his computer right now. What would Kolya think about me doing this? I think that if he was alive, he'd be pissed off like crazy. <laughs> And I wouldn't do it. And I wouldn't do it if he was alive. Right. Like, like he obviously didn't want to show me his song, Fuck Love, for whatever reason. And it's quite personal. Yeah. Um, but I found that on his computer. I found filed away in a series of, you know, this little very short thing. Fuck love. Fuck love. Your dad's the last person you want to share this idea that you have romantic relationships or notions of love when you're 15 with your parents. Right. But I really like it. I really like it. It speaks to me of my imagined reality of all the great songs he would have written. And it's not that I was expecting him to become a famous musician, but that maybe at some point 
as an I'd be the old bloke standing up the back of some dingy pub with a beer, watching him on stage by himself, just doing putting himself out there at some point, and that would have been wonderful. You left me in the stable. Feel nothing at all. Faces numb with pain. And I know that you'll never feel the same about me. About me. How close do you think you are to collecting every sort of scrap of Kolya that's on the internet? Pretty close to everything that's publicly available on the internet, I think. Um, yeah, I'm scraping, I'm scraping the bottom of the, you know, of the digital barrel, so to speak, I think. It must be kind of scary to be close to the end of that. Scary isn't something... I've got a new idea of scary. (laughs) Scary is an ICU ward. Scary is the conversations that you have with neurosurgeons. Um, And even when I started the process of trying to collect all this stuff, I know know it will end. So I'm okay with it ending. Um, It's about doing the next bit of work to work out what what's what's the next part of the process Reply All is hosted by PJ Vote and Alex Goldman. The show's produced by Sruthi Pinamanani, me, Damiano Marchetti, Anna Foley, Jessica Young, and Emmanuel Jochi. Our editor is Tim Howard. We're mixed by Rick Kwan and fact-checking this week by Michelle Harris. Our theme song is by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. Our interns are Christina Ayala Dejosa and Emily Rostek. Matt Lieber is pulling into a rest stop and discovering that there are Dippin' Dots sold there. You can listen to the show on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening. We'll see you in two weeks. <laughs>